severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Just Get A Real Job. I am of course your host, Jamie McKinley. I'm in a very good mood today actually because it's a very nice day for February. The sun is shining, we've got nice blue skies. We just had some good news there that uh, COVID restrictions are going to start to be uh, eased soon. You know, we're giving us some dates for a roadmap out of lockdown, which is, is nice to hear. Um, and, and the vaccine seems to be working. The early data suggests that the vaccine is having an effect on numbers. So, you know, it's nice to have a bit of good news in these dark times. Um, but yeah, so I'm in a very good mood today. Uh, but before I introduce today's episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a very good friend of mine, and, and in fact, she's a patron of this podcast, but it is Lisa Brand's birthday today, so I just wanted to give her a special birthday shout-out, and I'm very, very grateful for all your support, Lisa. You listen to this podcast, even though you don't work in the arts, so thank you very much for being such a good pal. But without much further ado, I would like to introduce this week's guest, who is, of course, Ellie Higgins. And, you know, Ellie's a good friend of mine, and I met Ellie at Queen Margaret University, and Ellie's a performance artist, and she's involved in a number of amazing projects. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. But first, um, we have a nice special surprise for Ellie and for all the listeners, as uh, Caroline, who was a guest on episode nine of the podcast, back at the start of January now, you know, a while ago now, uh, she has very, very kindly sent us in a poem called Common People and this poem is actually about you know normality and stuff and I think it ties in with a lot of the things me and Ellie talk about in today's episode so here is Caroline's poem. Hey just get a real job listeners Uh, my name is Caroline Day and I have a little poem for you today called Common People. Common, normal, what is normal? Who decided how life was supposed to be lived? Who handed out the rules? I didn't get a copy. Or maybe I threw it in the lake and decided to live my life on a whim. Take a stroll down unknown territories, unafraid of anything. Because I don't want to be normal. I refuse to be common. It wasn't for me. I can't do it. Don't fit into their box. I'm going to live on a boat, in a forest, in the middle of nowhere, out at sea. I won't let anybody tell me what's right or wrong. Won't let anybody change the way I perceive success. Being happy, feeling alive, isn't that what life is about? Or do I have to go by the rules? Do I have to live life like you in order to be accepted? Thank you very much for sending in that poem, Caroline. It's much appreciated. And it, you know, it's very fitting because I actually met Caroline um, through Ellie and we're all friends. So I thought it'd be a nice time to use one of Caroline's poems. Um, and if you haven't listened to the episode with Caroline, go back and check out episode nine. It's a very nice conversation. But now it is time for this week's amazing conversation with Ellie. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Ellie. How's it going? Hello. Really good. How are you? I'm grand. It's nice to finally have you on the podcast because I know I've been saying to you for ages that you need to come on. So it's good to have you. Well, I didn't think you were going to ask me, to be honest, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I left it a month. We've been quite busy. We've been doing a lot of interviews. So it's nice to have somebody I actually know on the podcast for a change. Just to, not that I I do like interviewing strangers. (laughs) It's, you know, it's a bit more chilled out. 
a bit easier. Yeah, no, happy, happy to be here. Thank you very much. So Ellie, what would you say that your like kind of role in the creative industries is like? You're an actor, right? But you're also kind of like a, I'd say like maybe a theatre practitioner type thing. Would that would be acceptable? Um, label. I think I definitely say I'm like a performance maker, mm-hmm. theatre maker. I'm more into contemporary performance at the moment and trying to explore my kind of practice within that. I'm yeah. really obsessed with audience interaction. I always have been, but now yeah. more than ever, super interested. I don't know what I'd describe myself as, probably just a performance maker. Yeah, it's a hard one, like, to be honest, like, mm. a pinned in a row. It's just, it's so annoying. For the episode titles, like, we obviously need to, we you tend to say, oh. like, you know, Jamie McKinley screenwriter. It's just, like, as a way of, like, yeah. marking the episode. And it's always stressful when people, because, you know, we're all creative people and we have different types of roles, so, like, yeah, mm. I think performance maker will be an acceptable one for that. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm much of an actor. I don't really act anymore, to be honest. I'm not yeah. very good at it. So now I just do performance where I don't really have to act. That's, that, that's not true. You, you are good, but no, I know what you mean. That's interesting. But you have always been interested in like contemporary performance stuff because obviously the, some of the stuff we're going to talk about soon, like some of the shows I've seen you in, they have always been quite interested in like they really do break that traditional theatre, you know, fourth mm-hmm. wall which is interesting yes always full of audience participation love to make <laughs> the audience engaged sometimes uncomfortable no I'm yeah i'm so <laughs> bad at being like in the audience when you, we do audience engagement like i remember when i saw your friend show and it was so like audience engaged i was like oh my god please don't pick me, don't pick me. and it's kind of, it just freaks me out but um it is but fun. Isn't it great like the audience is never going to be bored in that sense you know they're always on edge they're the shows i like seeing the most when you're like oh is it gonna be me what's gonna happen like you're so interested like keeps you really on your toes and like the whole audience knows any moment that they could be picked on so it is more interesting exactly they are cool performances Mm -hmm. well ellie i know you'd listened before but we like to start every podcast by asking our guests like what their earliest creative memory is i have a shocking memory as you (laughs) may know i was trying to think about this actually i think probably the earliest genuine memory because you know like your family tells you stories of what you did and whatever but i don't remember it the earliest one is when my sister got one of those like handheld cameras like video recorders and it had the screen that would pop out onto the side and i remember like we have these friends like family friends and there was four of us all together that would make little videos together and i just remember like running up and down the hall in our house and we're making music videos jumping on the bed (laughs) just like playing with that camera we were i was fascinated by it and also it wasn't mine so i loved it even more (laughs) (laughs) trying to steal it yeah exactly steal the spotlight so I think that's it but you know when you're young and you just make performances with your cousins and like literally every child yeah. you can find and you're like to your parents sit down our long show will begin no and definitely that's like the, everyone says I quite like this question because I love that everyone everyone just talks about like when they were a kid and like how they used to pretend to do things and play and like I find that so interesting because I think I've talked about this in another podcast I think we're taught as adults to like sort of forget that sort of child side of ourselves where we can be creative and be kids and like you know mm. I think it's I think it's important to like embrace that in adulthood definitely yeah that was actually my new year's resolution was to be more silly <laughs> to, to play more that's it's a super good important i hate yeah. being serious it's rubbish <laughs> i know i feel like i'm way too serious a person as well so i try and like have that you're at least not some, i don't know i feel like i kind of am sometimes like, i feel it's nice to have like at least five minutes a day where you sort of embrace like sort of silly creative side yeah exactly dancing around doing something silly painting whatever you want yeah 
<laughs> well, so another question we ask, which is interesting because I found this crazy, but obviously you're from Glenrothes as well. <laughs> I am. Right? And you grew up like really near where I grew up and we never met each other until we went to uni. I had I no idea who you were. It's, it's ridiculous. That's terrible. Actually. We even had mutual friends. I know. Literally. How bizarre. I know. I know. And then I always forget that you actually literally lived around the corner or your grand lived around the corner. No, yeah, I know. I lived, yeah, in Pachuca as well. We shout for that. Uh, yeah, it's just, That's it's nice, really interesting. It? I know. But we sort of ask everyone, like, how did where you're from, how has that affected you as a creative person? Like, has that had an effect on your identity? Like, do you, like, identify with that town or anything? Has that crept into your work? Oh, I love Glenrothes. I love it. It gets such a bad rep. I had the best time. I think... Well, you know what it's like, but there wasn't a huge amount going on. I think the best thing we had was the raucous halls. Remember, like, that theatre gave me so much life. I saw all of the performances I ever saw there. I went to youth theatre in that building. I went to a youth theatre festival in that building. Like, everything revolved around it. And I think it was it was super important for yeah. me to have a local theatre somewhere to go to. I don't even realise, like, or I don't think I realised at the time, like, how important it was. It was everything. Like, your whole life revolved around the town centre, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I ever did, wander up and down the town, go to youth theatre. Like, if I didn't have drama club, I probably would have done absolutely nothing creative because I didn't have drama at school or anything. So I'm so glad that I did. And that's also where I met our mutual friend, Annika. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just so many crazy, like, like how we have mutual friends. I, I just find that so, like, funny. You know, we're, like, in uni, so, like, what, 18 years, and it's, like, in the same town. No. Just, it's ridiculous. But, no, the Roth is... the Roth is really, isn't it? It is quite a big town, really, because oh, 39,000 people or something, <clears> so... Loads. Yeah, it's quite a quite a big town. Because it's really interesting. Like, I spoke to a playwright called Rachel the other day, and she's from Glenroth as well. And I also didn't know her before it. Like it's when mental. when I grew up there, which is just I find so I love that there's creative people coming from that town, and like it just really yeah, it's great. Because it's as good, you said, there's yeah. not there's not a lot to do there, but you know there was creative spaces and the office halls was. I remember seeing the singing kettle there. I think that was the first show I ever yeah. saw. Oh, I love the singing kettle. It was great because all the tours came to the Rothes Halls. Like, I think it's so important to have local theatres. I wonder what's going to happen to them now, to be honest. But hopefully they stay open. Yeah, that's so important. They take so many tours. It doesn't matter if you can't go to Edinburgh or Glasgow. Like, it will come to you. It's amazing. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that building. I remember I did Gamma Youth there. Yeah, My sister was in that. I really? probably thought yeah she was super into musicals she's very good at singing and everything the opposite of me <laughs> <Do you laughs> not, I probably saw you in one you probably did I mean I only did I only did one and I was a lot older I was 17 when I did I did a show called Curtains and it was quite fun oh, I think it was called no. I think it was called Curtains I was in the chorus I was I was bad though like, I would got cut from a dance scene because I can't dance I could sing an act no. I can't dance and That's they said terrible. they said Jamie you're gonna go behind the bar and they tried to play it off like, this isn't because you can't. I was like, Jamie, why don't you be a barman in this scene? And then I clicked. When I was on stage on the first night and I looked around all the dancers, I thought, I know why I'm here. I'm just going to pretend to polish this class. But. <laughs> That's such a shame. I'm sure you made it very stylized. Oh, yeah, I polished that glass very well. Absolutely. Yeah. First thing, I would be terrified if that happened to me. I'd be so upset. <laughs> no, Glenroth is what, yeah, it was a, an interesting place to grow up, I guess. I, it was I don't lovely. Even, yeah, I know what you mean about, like, I was saying this to Rachel when I spoke to her, like, 
I kind of have like a weird relationship with it where like I do think it was a bit shit to grow up there but at the same time I kind of love it and since I moved away from it it's really come up again and again in my work and it's like my dream mm. on screen one day oh really yeah I'd love that would to be write great a film. yeah I'd just love to like have a film set there because we don't have enough films or theatre or anything really set in these small towns around not just in yeah. Scotland but just in general we don't represent enough no of- that is really true I had a few ideas for plays of like different jobs that I've had in Fife. I just, I just think the banter of the people like it's so good. Who's that playwright? Have you seen Gagarin Way? Is that the time of strife? A, t- a time of strife that he did. Gregory yeah. Burke. Gregory, Gregory Burke. Burke. Yeah. What did he What did he write again? He wrote Gagarin Way, which is set in like Dunfermline. He's from He's really cool. I went to a like reading that he did in Dunfermline in like Carnegie Hall. It must have been a couple of years ago. Oh, and he wrote Black Watch. That's course. the big one he did. I knew I knew the name. Yeah, For Black famous. Watch is great. Yeah. On episode 10 with Rebecca, she talked about, um, who's an actor, and that she talked about going to see that show. And I remember going to see it in school and a brilliant show. So good. Really? I never managed to see it. I've only read it. I would love to watch it. Well, it was on YouTube for ages and I wanted to rewatch oh. it recently, but they, they'd taken it off, sadly. But I think they're talking about bringing it back on the National Theatre. Maybe after COVID, they'll be able to do that. That would be it's great. Good, very good play. It was great. I didn't know he was Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, from Rosyth. And I think everything, well, Gagarin Way at least is set in Dunfermline. I'm pretty sure there's a street called with that name. Um, but yeah, he is super good. He signed our like plays and I can't remember what advice he gave me, but he... Well, it clearly didn't stick with me, that advice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was good at the time. I think I was starstruck. <laughs> I would do like that. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think if I've ever met any celebrities. Yes, I did. I, I met Jarvis Cocker once and I was so embarrassing. Ooh. I was like, Why? because I just got starstruck. It's quite embarrassing. Like, I, I feel like I shouldn't. Like, we're all people, eh? And I was like, Jarvis. <laughs> and then he and he said like what's your name he was so nice such a gent by the way such a gent and he said like, what's your name and then I said Jamie and he went Jimmy and I was like no J- Jamie and he just signed my ticket he was so nice <laughs> was that the friend in That's so sweet. 17 or something yeah so it's embarrassing I love that. meeting famous people <laughs> I've only met about one but my face just goes bright red and I can't say anything who's the it's most terrible. famous person you'd met I met I wouldn't say I met I got a photo with Emma Thompson at the festival. I was working. We were, it was so funny because she came to see one of the plays and everyone was on the radio. It's like, Emma Thompson's here. Emma Thompson's here. And then all of us like ran to the stage door. So as the audience was coming out, we like bombarded her and we're like, hello, can we have a picture? Which is probably extremely annoying. (laughs) But she took one and she was lovely. Uh, She's cool. That's great. I'd get starstruck even around her, I reckon. I need to stop doing that. If I want to work in this industry, you should not be getting starstruck by people. But it's it's hard not to. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. I just, I get embarrassed all the time or nervous. It's normal. It's nice. You appreciate their work and you care what they think. Absolutely. In a way it's nice, but yeah, you're right. We need to get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Imposter syndrome's too bad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Ellie, another question we ask all our guests is, do you have like a favourite word or phrase from where you're from? So it can be like Scottish or it can be from Fife. It's up to you. Interesting. I don't use that many Fife words anymore. I think it came out of me when I came to Edinburgh, which is so sad. I mean, I'm the The same. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? I think the only ones I probably still say is like, can he? Can he do that? Or I say A all the time. Maybe that's my favourite. A. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a good one eh? nah, that's, why, that's why people like... hate the five accent isn't it 
Yeah, although I feel that's kind of not just foul. I'd say that's quite East Coast because, like, shout out to Danny Lamb. He says A all the time. Yeah, like. that's very true. I so love it. It's also my initials, E-H. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, a wee narcissistic reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really... I love Scottish words. I wish I used them more, but whenever I try, it just sounds so forced. It doesn't suit me anymore. I think I used to speak, like, with quite a strong accent back in Fife, but now I haven't been there in ages. It's been diluted. I feel like people just say to me, like, you sound like you're from the east coast of Scotland, but I feel like I do have quite a a neutral accent as well, almost. Yeah, it's hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I'd say you're quite fifey. Probably am. I mean, if anyone listened to me and Liam's episode or like me and Elliot's episode, it's probably like, what the fuck are they saying? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? Uh, definitely say like a lot definitely say like a lot oh like oh yeah do that on the podcast all the time like that must be an annoying tick we have listeners in america and canada now and i find it so funny that they like hear this voice i know i wonder yeah those things you don't even consider that you say them eh? like i don't know i just said a as well i just said both <laughs> good example there. Oh, no, because that's a good answer. We'll, we'll take that as a word. Thank you. Right. So, Ellie, you talked about how, as a teenager, you didn't have drama at school and you wouldn't have got into it without the, the youth clubs and stuff. So, like, yeah. you decided to go to uni in 2014. This is crazy that that's how long ago this was. So, you, were, so I know you obviously from Queen Margaret University. You did drama and performance there, and yeah. that's where I met you. But so, how did that come about? What, what was the decision to go to uni there? Do you remember when you're like in third and fourth year and the universities come to your school and they do a little talk about like why the uni is great and why you should go there? I was doing like the kind of chaperoning of the people giving the tours Mm -hmm. and I got on so well with the people from Queen Margaret (laughs) and I was like, if you guys go there, it seems pretty good. (laughs) And I went to the open day and everything and it seemed like I knew I wanted to do drama, but I didn't know like what role. And I was too scared to do something like acting as a full degree. And I'm yeah. actually glad I didn't know. But I think, yeah, I went to the uni and it's all on campus and it's small and it seems really good. The course teaches you different parts in each role of theatre. It teaches you like behind the scenes. It teaches you acting, directing, scenography, like everything. So I was like, yes. Also, I had terrible grades. So <laughs> it was the only one that I had a hope of getting into. And it was the only one that I got a conditional offer to. So thank God it was the one that I wanted to go through. <laughs> the exact same. The only one. The only one that would take me. I actually didn't. I got rejected from Queen Margaret twice because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I thought I wanted to work in film or theatre, which is obviously what happened in the end. So I applied for a film and media course and a drama course at different places. Everyone rejected me, like Napier rejected me whatever else I can't remember where I applied various places in Scotland and Queen Mm -hmm. Margaret rejected me and because I didn't apply to fear and film I didn't know it was a course because I clearly hadn't done research properly (laughs) and then I got uh, like they replied saying like why don't you do this course offer you a conditional and I thought yeah Mm -hmm. that sounds good they needed a general in maths and I'm terrible at maths failed maths three times and I didn't I failed maths it's interesting because Danny was the exact same actually speaking of Danny earlier but and both of us were in the same boat where they phoned us after we got our results back I thought I'm not going to uni and I went to an open day at the Adam Smith College in Kirkcaldy at the time yeah they do like drama and performance as well which is hilarious now thinking of that and um, I was going to go there I'd done my intro the day there and everything oh and you it, should have no, I went then, to college then, first it was really yeah, fun well Queen Margaret phoned and they were like are you accepting your offer and I was like 
huh sorry what and they were like <laughs> yeah we'll it. still we'll still take you even though you don't have maths like we don't care oh, and then I got so in nice. so I literally went to uni the week later so it was kind of a crazy yeah. so yeah maybe oh Queen God, Margaret the week later that's mental yeah so Queen Margaret just very kindly let us all in which was nice of them I know I'm glad thank god I know yeah my fifth year grades were terrible luckily I made it up in sixth year but then I took a year out and went to college first anyway so I wasn't quite as like I didn't have the excitement of going the next week as you I went the next year but yes I'm so glad it was so much stress to get into uni like god and imagine if we wanted to go to theater school or something that's so crazy yeah I spoke, to, I spoke to actors and stuff who've talked it on the podcast before i've talked about like auditioning for like these big schools and it sounds so stressful and i'm, I'm just glad i didn't have to do that yeah me too and you also have to pay to audition like it's totally mental no i know one of my friends did and i remember her telling me all about all the different auditions and the rounds of auditions and i thought nah that is not for me <laughs> it's really i cannot deal with that stress yeah well, you know, it's something actually, I feel like it's a, it'd be a good thing for the listeners to hear, Ellie, is that you, you know how you went to college first and stuff. Like, for whatever reason, schools put a lot of pressure on people to go to uni. And colleges often, in Scotland anyway, is quite looked down upon sometimes. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's nothing wrong with going to college. But I think it's actually better. To be honest, I didn't think I was ready for the course when I did it. I think I really grew into myself in second year. I nearly dropped out. So, like, I think having that extra year after school really gives you, like, life experience. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if that was the case for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I'm the same as you. Yeah. I was not... I just don't think I really knew anything of the world. Yeah, I don't know. So the last year of high school was quite hard for me because my dad died. And then I was like not ready to kind of move away or do anything. So I went to college and I had so much fun. It was like the first time that I had properly studied acting and drama. And I learned about all these theories. And it gave me kind of like the ground knowledge that I needed to go to uni. Because when you go to uni, they kind of expect that you know everything already. And I didn't know anything. (laughs) So I was so glad. And I made some really good friends. And it was just a bit of like independence from school. Yeah. Without fully like moving your whole life. So I loved it. I think everyone should take a year out. Going straight to uni is too much. Absolutely. (laughs) I think years out can be very beneficial. So did you enjoy your time at Queen Margaret then? How did you find your course? I loved it. Oh my God, I loved it. I really enjoyed it to start with just because it was great living in halls and I made like the best group of friends and it was so fun. The first couple of years were just kind of about having a social life for me (laughs) and going out and partying. And then in like third year, I properly came to love it because we had this lecturer Andy and he was fantastic and we started learning about different theories around documentation of performance and liveness of performance and I'm really into the sort of theoretical side of everything I don't know how to explain it but yeah basically I started learning more about performance art and about contemporary performance and I was like oh my god this is what I like you know and suddenly it's like you've been trying I was trying directing I was trying like set design I liked it but it didn't like give me same passion and then when I learned about all these artists I was like whoa this is mental so then I really started loving it and then I studied more of that in fourth year and I got to do like so much work about drag and gender studies in theater and oh my god I loved it so yeah the last <laughs> years were the best yeah and that's where you really got to sort of find I imagine find yourself as a performance artist and get into that experimental type of theater I imagine mm, yeah 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 absolutely it was our lecturer Bianca I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name Bianca Mas- Mastromenico I think 
Mm. Um, I, I don't know was, her either, but yeah, she was oh my god, the best. Her classes taught me about all these different theatre makers and contemporary performers like Forced Entertainment and the Worcester Group and people that I had never stumbled across at all. Like, do you know what I mean? Sometimes you mm. don't find something unless someone shows you it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the perfect thing. This is what I want to do with my life. So yeah. I'm so grateful that, you know, we learned about that because otherwise I would still be sort of foggy in what I wanted to do. Now, that's really interesting because it's kind of very different to conventional acting. And, like, and I find it interesting that you say, like, I'm not an actor. I actually quite like that because it's just something a bit different as well. Yeah, I think the best way that I like to describe contemporary performance because it can seem like really kind of wanky and a bit like, oh, what does it all mean? When it's not, you know, it doesn't have to be like that at all. I think the best way is Bianca explained it to me as like, it's sort of like a dot to dot picture. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the audience to connect the dots. It's about like giving some of a story or not exactly a narrative, but giving some information and some inspiration and then each audience member will put it together in a different way. Yeah. And that's, that's what I really like. It's very open. No, absolutely. And like, I think what's interesting about that is conventional theatre, you know, I really enjoy it, but it can be quite the same, to be honest. And it is quite like a limited thing in the sense that you usually just have a stage and it's hard to... So I really enjoy it when people are experiment with that and, and really play with the medium. Because mm-hmm. I mean, some of the shows I saw you in were really interesting. And although they scared me because I'm not good at audience participation, like that's a good thing. And yeah, they were, it yeah. was really enjoyable to see that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, the best theatre I see is like where it's a bit more experimental and it's not a strict narrative. However, like some shows I absolutely adore. Like I love a good musical and, you know, there's every part of theatre has its importance in its own way. Just to be clear, I was not like slating normal theatre. I love theatre as well. Like and, you know, as a writer, I tend <laughs> I to write tend to, tend to write things set in rooms of people talking and like just be and be quite like I am probably quite a conventional, boring writer in that sense. No, but, not at all. <laughs> it's just different. It's not nice to see like you know these interesting performances that you know play with the conventions and and change the rules yeah. of it. But yeah, you know, I think what, what's interesting about what you said is as well. I think the types of shows um, you've been involved in, they're they're still quite like, although they're unconventional, they're still quite easy for audiences to follow and engage with, That's and like, you know, they're quite accessible still. Yeah, they're ho- they're never really too highbrow. There's yeah. always like things to be very funny. Um, it's hard to be funny yourself. <laughs> The the group that we had from uni that was so much fun that was all about play but yeah I think involving play in your work is the most important to me yeah I want it you know you want theatre to be attractive to everyone not just people who would usually go you know you want to get a bigger audience and you want to get people who maybe aren't interested or I, I think often people can feel like they're left out of shows and stuff it's not as you say like as accessible as going to the cinema for some reason like it's seen as a really fancy thing to go and watch a show and it's not you know yeah it's just but people having a laugh it should be for everyone yeah I think there's a lot of problems in theatre around accessibility and things especially conventional theatre yeah. in the sense you know tickets are expensive you've got to get a train into the city to watch it if you don't live yeah, there yeah exactly but hopefully like Things like the free fringe and, you know, those things are super important, those spaces to get more people into it. And, you know, I think the way theatre's adapted in the pandemic onto in in a way that and gone online, which we'll come on to because I know the Norm project, which we're going to talk about soon, and your own theatre project, Pillow Talk, is really, really playing with that uh, online thing. And I think you've done a really good job of, like, tapping into that. 
Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little as much as you wish you can access this by going to www.patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show well ellie something i was actually watching before this interview which was which i was pissing myself at was i reviewed one of your shows at the fringe in 2018 yeah. called all out of time which i think what was the product what was the theater company that you did yeah that clock zone theater that was our one from uni. That was the best. That was our first venture into making our own show and producing it ourselves and doing everything. It was a wild ride. And I have your review on my CV. <laughs> Five <laughs> stars from Jamie McKinley. <laughs> I remember what happened with that was um, I applied to be a reviewer for the Edinburgh Culture Review. I think I think it's still a thing, actually. And I assumed I'd be writing reviews and get <laughs> doing that at the time. I was getting into writing reviews and I thought, I'll get to go and see some shows at the Fringe, write reviews. It wasn't actually what it was. It was actually doing video content reviews. So I had to, <laughs> I had to film myself giving a review of a show. And oh, God. I, it just wasn't what I signed up for at all. Filming yourself is never fun. There's loads of audience participation. There's loads of singing and dancing. There's loads of random improvised cool lines. It, it was really good, really witty, really funny. Um, it made some really interesting points about where we find ourselves in the world at the moment. And you know the sort of modern landscape in a lot of different ways no i think i think i got my girlfriend at the time had to film me and then she would just laugh at me as i, like, no attempt, as I would attempt to like you know do several takes but um, i watched it before oh, we God. sat down for this conversation and i do i mean what i said is true i stand by it but i said it in a very funny way like throwing around some pretentious fancy words thinking i was like Mark <laughs> <Kermode> or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's how i always talk about art i always like to pretend that i know what I'm talking about <laughs> I love that review honestly that's the best one we've ever had we had your one that was five stars and another one from a blog that was one star <laughs> what did he know about performance art you know <laughs> that was hilarious you know it was it was funny I love a one star review yeah you get people in you get people in to see your shows when you have one star because people are like can exactly. it be that, can it be that bad yeah <laughs> I want to see how terrible this is <laughs> yeah no but that that play was really enjoyable because like it, it was like I remember it was very audience uh participant drawn and like you mm. guys would all come into the audience and like say funny things to us and I remember once I was like so scared <laughs> I remember I think it was Hannah just pointing at me going it's insane something and being like, oh. <laughs> that sounds like her yeah well, that one was all about like playing and giving ourselves challenges we had all these like tasks that we would give each other in the show and they were secret in an envelope and it involved like playing different games playing games with the audience and also like we were trying to use mixed media and recordings and films and it was like a jumble of everything it was a massive experiment and it was so fun it looked fun but you did a really good job of putting that together like I really liked the way that you guys in that show played around with like all the different aspects of of the arts and then like one show it, it was absolutely I think I described it as batshit and I think I stand by that it was batshit in the best possible way it was I remember my friend Izzy came and we used her quote to try and promote it she said it was like her first acid trip <laughs> 
It was quite late though. <laughs> I don't think it was as good as that, but we liked to say it to people anyway. How many nights did you do that show for? That it was only the- for a week, and it was now like what three years ago. I need to stop dining out on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a success. I would say. Yeah, it was. It was so, so fun. I think it's fair to like you know you got to get the mileage out of things like. That's right. Yeah, it's gonna <laughs> I- be on my CV forever. Yeah, McKinley's five-star review. Yeah, you need to come to the next one and review that too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm not recording a video of it though. <laughs> An Instagram live. Oh God, those days, those I'm retired from the reviews now. I think. Are you? <laughs> no, oh, I still, I, I still enjoy it. I still, no, I still be open to doing it. Like, and I mean, we, the po- great thing about this podcast is we can support the arts and give people platforms and like review shows and stuff through the podcast yeah. as well. So, well, so that was just after we graduated. I think that show that was like the last thing you did at Queen Margaret. Mm-hmm. You finished, and obviously Carla was on the podcast a few weeks ago. You went traveling with her for a bit, right? Yeah. Oh man, that was the best. Yeah. After uni, I think we worked for like six months, and then we went traveling for six months, and it was so fun oh my god i miss it i want to go traveling again it was just the best i said this to carla as well but i remember being really jealous because i was working and i I was working full-time in my current job hating my life and then you guys would always be on like sunny beaches in australia um (laughs) working in funny hostels and all that from what she said but um, i know exactly yeah no it was honestly like as soon as things open up again we all need to go on holiday oh my god everyone (laughs) <laughs> I can't wait to, to go on a plane again. So Ellie, when you were on that trip, did you sort of have in your mind, like, I'm going to come when I get back, I'm going to go keep pursuing performance art stuff? Or were you just sort of enjoying the no. trip? Oh, God, do you know what? We had so many freakouts during the trip. Like, what are we going to do when we get back? Because obviously all our friends at home were getting real jobs and kind of moving on with their lives, you know? We were having the best time. But yeah, in the back of your mind, like, you're always like, well, I'm spending every penny that I have on this trip what on earth am I going to do when I go back I've been you know now out of whatever industry for a year how do you get back into it have we been silly and going now obviously the answer is no but yeah I had no kind of expectations of what I was going to do when I came back the plan was to do a master's and that still is the plan as soon as I pluck up the courage to apply (laughs) No, but I think it's useful that you've been very open and honest for some of our listeners because we can all relate to that feeling of like, because everyone needs, but as you say, it wasn't a mistake and like going traveling was amazing for you and you loved it. So yeah, yeah you're yeah. always going to have that voice though, I guess, in the back of your head. Exactly. I think you could do anything and you're still thinking, oh, but I should have done this. I should have, should I be doing this as well? Like, but no, actually it was fantastic. And oh man, I was happily, the dream is to work like some kind of seasonal job and then half the year you can go traveling <laughs> be a good alternative to the arts i think especially uh, if you could do both it'd be even yeah. or i'd or- love to work in like the fringes around the world that's my dream oh that would anyone be cool. that knows me knows i'm obsessed with the festival you worked there when you got back from traveling right you went that's actually one of the first things you did was you went and worked at the fringe right it was yeah and it was oh so good it's the best i just love working at it you get to see all the shows for free you get to sneak into the performers bar and meet them all <laughs> get photos with emma thompson exactly exactly well this segues us very nicely into like the next thing i was going to ask you about which so that year at the fringe that's when you formed the norm project right that's when you all met yeah. uh, like lovely norm people and i, forgot, I feel so bad I, like, I don't want to get there i'm scared to say their names in case oh, i get their names wrong georgia and rona yeah so we met 
we were all working at assembly during the festival and we were all pals but like the whole team was pals like we still have a big group chat that people post in all the time it was honestly such a lovely job for a month and then we hadn't actually worked together on anything or like seen each other's art properly until in the summer our friend Hannah was putting on did you come to see it possibly it was distilled life it was like a museum experience that was virtual but it was like a live museum it had many different ideas but um in the end it was so it was like on zoom and we had lots of different performers and it was kind of like going to the different rooms of the exhibitions if that makes sense yeah this was last year right 2020 yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. don't i think i missed that i think i was oh. doing my major project and I, my mind was just That's a mess fair. but i remember seeing it advertised and i would have yeah. liked to have seen it. i should have went to that oh no don't worry it was really fun it was like basically we all had to make a performance in response to a traditional piece of art and so I asked George and Rona if they would want to be in it as well and then on the night that was the first time that we'd seen each other perform and afterwards Georgia she's on the Debs scheme at dance space because she's a contemporary dancer and she had two days of studio space and she was like Ellie and Rona hey do you guys want to collaborate on a wee project for two days do you want to write something or make some art and we're like yeah yeah yeah, sounds cool and then like I don't know however many months later we're still working on that project and we got like so into it and it just grew arms and legs and ran away with itself the norm project's amazing like it's so it's such a cool project and I love the way you guys as we talked about earlier you really really are playing around with this new type of theatre online and taking performance and, and making it accessible online and especially because obviously in lockdown I think the norm project I know it's kind of grown out of that but I think it's so interesting because the word normal is so like topical right now that's such a I think we're having a huge conversation as a, as a society about what normal is what normal means and I think you really mm. tapped into that yeah exactly so yeah that's what it sparked from the new normal idea and we were collaborating separately and we still are because we all live in different places and so the best way we were collaborating was online and we started up this Instagram and we we're questioning our followers about various different things about normal and seeing their ideas and honestly like you think that you have the same opinion as everyone no not at all like such vast ideas and it just started many different threads of inquiry and we just started exploring it more and yeah it's been mental but I think what's great about it is because you were talking about earlier like you how you love audience participation in like doing shows but what's so interesting about this project is it's it's constant audience participation because it's like it doesn't have like a time slot the norm project exists all the time because of the instagram and you know you do like that you did that amazing thing a few weeks ago that like word of the walk and that was so enjoyable because i was walking about going what word should i choose oh that's so good i mean it was really i found that really enjoyable because i was like i wanted to find something interesting so like it gave me something to do on my daily walk just like as we say it sounds silly but that's not silly at all i think that's great yeah well exactly we're we're trying to reach out to people and get people to be able to be involved and engaged but from their own space and it's very hard to know how to do that but yeah so the word of the walk was just send us words that you see from you know your one daily walk and then we started making sentences from it and using the words that people saw as inspiration for various things and yeah I thought it was very clever with my word of the walk I thought I'm gonna send the word open because everything's closed and I was like oh god you're so deep (laughs) that's a good one but exactly it makes you think more and even on my own walks you know you're reading all these words and some signs you're like that does not make sense or you know there's so much around you and we just walk past everything 
Yeah, it's actually it's really more aware. Yeah, because it's it kind of feels like it's like you're asking people to stop and think about things, like question the normals and be like, why do I do that? Like you know, yeah. it, it's really interesting. And I know you guys sat. You got a residency, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, so we had a residency planned at the start of January, but it had to be postponed until March because of the lockdown. So hopefully it goes ahead in March. But yeah, we decided to do an online residency instead because we'd all booked the time off. So we were collaborating sometimes in person, like outdoors and mostly like on Zoom. And it was so much fun because it was the first time that we had proper dedicated time to kind of explore each other's art forms. And we all made workshops for each other. And it was, yeah, just about learning how we can like weave together to make things and deciding like different things to do, different projects. We have posters all over Edinburgh. Hopefully you've seen some. Yeah, I did. I went looking for them in the dark with my um, my friend Amy a few weeks ago. We couldn't find couldn't find that one. I actually couldn't find it. That's okay. We went. We put them up on like the Tuesday, and then the Thursday we went back, and like half of them were falling down, and we're like, (laughs) no, can we stop looking? But yeah, it's basically a massive inquiry, and I think now it's become more of a sort of process based piece because we're sharing everything that we do on Instagram. Like nothing is kind of pre-done or pre-decided it's like as we go and as it evolves it's all live for people to see I really like that though I I really enjoy it's cool to see things it's almost like a virtual scrapbook as well and it's like Mm, I just like the idea of something existing all the time it's an ongoing project and it's really that's cool exactly yeah so we we don't know what it'll end up to be but it's so much fun just exploring things and having people comment back and you know making little conversations and yeah it's it's just great to have the connection yeah it's really exciting as well because I mean I know you're like the other two people involved like Georgia and Rona are both they're dancers as well right when you're like and you always like joke to me that I'm not a dancer like but I find it really interesting (laughs) like how you like all play to your own strengths within the project exactly well yeah so Georgia's a contemporary dancer and then Rona is like a multidisciplinary artist they do poetry visual arts dance like literally everything you could think of Rona can do it and so it's been so cool even just you know the week when we work together and learning each of their processes was really really great that's the only thing I get so nervous whenever we're like doing filming because you know they're they're both so they can just move their bodies easily and I'm just awkward like uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I'm getting I'm getting more into it I'm trying yeah so. <laughs> no, I mean I can relate to the being the dance thing Ellie because you know I got put behind the bar remember <laughs> we're both the barmen just standing behind the bar <laughs> polishing them glasses um no, but we'll link obviously we'll link stuff to the norm project in the show oh, notes that would be great please, please go and check out it's, a, it's such an exciting project and it is very very enjoyable from the outside to see it grow as well so kudos for that thank you that's good it is, it's been really fun well we ha- i know you have something else you've been doing as well which is interesting which is kind of a similar thing of playing around with online and you know taking this uh, contemporary performance stuff online but you have a show coming out soon well you've done the show already but yeah. you've got it's, it's back and that's pillow talk exactly Exactly, yeah. So Pillow Talk was a performance I created. I did a 10-week short course with the Conservatoire and it was about like how to make contemporary performance for digital platforms. And honestly, I didn't realize that you had to make a performance in it to start with. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like weeks of lectures on like how to use Zoom, how to use this, how to engage an audience. But it wasn't at all. It was like from the first week, we had this great mentor, Gudrun Dooley Sigatur again terrible with names but Gudrun 
and she was fantastic like it was very much about us finding out what we wanted to achieve in the 10 weeks what would we want to make what sort of inquiry did we want and so I sort of did a bit of thinking and decided I wanted to explore like how far we can create intimacy over screens and over like a digital encounter and so yeah I was I was prompted to think about like what is intimacy what does it mean for me what intimate moments was I missing and basically I was just missing like hanging out with people like sleeping with your friends and I don't know you know like for the last year I had spent most of it sharing a bed with Carla and we'd (laughs) lived together for the four years before that always sleeping in each other's rooms and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have anything like that. You know, you couldn't go to your pal's house even just for a cup of tea, let alone have a sleepover. So that's what I decided to explore. And yeah, Pillow Talk has evolved and has become about many things. But most of all, it's a chance to kind of attempt a sleepover over Zoom and try and see if you can create that you know when you're like sleeping about to fall asleep and you're both like giggling and I I don't know how to describe it there's something there's a moment there that's like you both feel natural and at ease and like I know what you mean it's like I used to like I remember I'd stay the night at like Liam's house or like we shouted to my friend Sam actually because I've never mentioned you're getting your first shout on the podcast Sam thanks for listening um (laughs) but like you know we'd like I go and stay at theirs and like you just sort of lie on the floor in your own sleeping bag sort of thing and then you just chat and you'd speak till like yes. three in the morning especially if you're really young it was really fun you'd you know talk about like I don't know for maybe you know just chat about like you know whatever things have been going on in your life and then you'd sort of just one of you would fall asleep mid-conversation and then you'd be like yeah you'd be talking you'd be like Sam <laughs> Sam you still awake and then it's always worse being the one that's left awake isn't it and you're like oh that never mind then <laughs> clearly boring you I know, my yeah, love exactly. life is clearly not interesting to you <laughs> I just think like we never really have those natural moments with people you know when we're sitting upright at desks or you know zoom is so sort of corporate isn't it everyone uses it for work or even like if you use it for a games night or whatever it's still very much sitting up you got your drink whatever so Yeah. yeah this one is like I'm in bed the audience member is in bed we're pretending that we're lying together just trying to recreate a moment like that so how does it work so does people do people watch the performance of you and another person or is it just the other person on their own experiencing the performance it's just the other person so it's a one-to-one which I think some people come into the first sharing didn't realize (laughs) I'm like hello and they're like oh you can see me where's everyone else It's just me and you. But yes, it's just 10 minutes long. And we have a conversation. We try to connect through various actions. And there's things that I'll ask of the person. But honestly, it's just an invitation. It's whatever the person is comfortable with. There's no pressure to do anything at all. But yeah, in its simplest, it's a conversation. No, it's interesting, actually. Because that's quite original, I think. I've never heard of anything like that anyway. I think that's really a really original take on like on, on now on what's going on now and it's a it's a cool project so i hope that goes well and that's what date is that we'll plug that for you um please it's the 13th of march and it's part of femfest festival which is an incredible week-long um feminist theater festival it's usually in brighton but this year it's online hence the reason that i can actually be involved (laughs) it's so good yeah um yeah there's great stuff the whole week so 
I encourage everyone to check it out. Yeah, we'll, again, put that all in the show notes. And is your show just one night? Are you doing it over several nights? Yeah, it's just one night and there's 10 slots. So it lasts 10 minutes. I think I've only sold like three tickets so far. Well, come on, listeners. <laughs> Loads of space. <laughs> we'll make sure Loads this goes out available. in time for that show. We'll put this episode that would be lovely. before that. Well, Ellie, I've got a few quick fire questions for you. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation, of course, but like just a few little things. So I thought it'd be interesting to ask you, who are your influences in terms of like, it can be Ooh. anyone but like creatively who are like the big influences on you as, a, as an artist the big influences that's really hard the big influences quick fire and now I'm like I know it doesn't have to be too okay quick. let me think well do you know what I had to write like an artist focused interview this morning for FemFest for them to post and I had to choose like three people that I liked the most so it feels like a cheat to tell you them but it is them <laughs> no that's so not a cheat that's honest you've been honest so go for it okay cool so recently like last week or something I watched this performance by a company called Ugly Bucket Theatre and they're a clowning physical theatre company and I really like them because it's all physical theatre but it merges with like verbatim interviews so they they play snippets of various interviews this play was all about the topic of grief and it spoke so openly about grief and death and losing someone and it was fantastic I cried so so much but it was like very cathartic and they made it funny and lively and it it was touching and it was moving and I I love so much having verbatim pieces in theatre I love using real life stories I think that's why I like having audience interaction so much because I like it to be very real and yeah it was honestly fantastic I don't think it's available to watch now but Oh, it sounded so good. I was hoping you were going to say that there was a link to it or something. I'd love to watch that I right now. So. I think it was it was online last weekend. Yeah, have have a look because it might still be on there. Yeah, that was fantastic. I've seen a couple of their shows before and it's because it's clowning, they don't really use words when they're speaking. They're like sounds, but the voice all comes from like real people that they've had interviews with, which is so, so interesting. And then other than that, I guess, yeah, so I already mentioned the first biggest influences, which were like Forced Entertainment and the Worcester Group, which are very well-established theatre companies. So I won't say too much on them. So another person that I like, I saw this show last year at the festival. It's by this person, Katie Greenall, and the performance was called Fatty Fat Fat. And it's it was like kind of like game show-esque mixed with performance poetry and like some participation, obviously. That's all I'm going to say participation well but um, (laughs) it was all about life in a fat body and navigating the world as a fat woman and it was so educational to me and it felt really like activism in theater but it it was so much fun and so engaging I loved that performance I feel like they recently recorded that as well because I follow their Instagram and I think maybe that's available online. I love anything that features women's issues or, you know, stories that you're not told. What other shows have you seen that tackle fat phobia? You know, we have, I've never seen a play that tackles that before. Super interesting. Oh, you shared lots of interesting stuff for us. And it's good as well because, you know, your influences are different. Like, as as I say, this is the first time we spoke to a performance artist on the podcast. So it's really interesting for our listeners to get a different side of the industry as well. So I appreciate you sharing all that knowledge. Yeah. I have one another question for you, which is a, a really difficult one. So don't worry about this. I, <laughs> I ask everyone and I hate asking this question because I would struggle as well. But what's the sort of dream goal for you in the arts? Like, what's your, what would be your dream, dream job? Goal. My dream job 
I want to create performances that I can take on tour. I would like to be able to have enough money from my performance. However, I would also like to make theater that can tour around schools and educational places. I would like to make theater that's inclusive for all sorts of people, especially like people with disabilities. I want to make theater and performance that is activism and that is educational as well as being fun. I really want to make something for schools about feminism and about sexual health and responsibility and boundaries and all of the things that I wish I'd been taught at school, basically. Yeah, I know, because PSC was not, PSC was not um, good enough, I don't think, for any no, of us. Did not no. learn about useful things like, you know, women's issues I just talked about there, or like, you know, just even identity or things like how to pay fucking council tax, you know, yeah, things that would have been useful. Exactly, exactly, I know. You don't get taught anything. I just got taught don't take drugs. doesn't even work for people, but... Anyway. <laughs> you don't even hope. follow that advice anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a very, very nice stream, actually, Ellie. And I think, you know, it's a very honest one. And I think you'd definitely be able to do that. I hope so. And I've, you've got loads of great ideas. So, yeah, and I, I love the stuff you're talking about, schools and education, because, as I say, as you know, something I'm very passionate about as well. And it's great that we can, you know, people can inspire the next generation and stuff. So I appreciate all the stuff you talked about for your art stuff. That was really exciting. Just get a real but yeah, so we ask everyone that we're nearly at the end, but we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, uh, what's the worst part-time job you'd ever had to work? Oh, any job is a good job. <laughs> <laughs> the worst job. So Carla told you about us working in banana, so I won't bore you with the same anecdotes. <laughs> I mean, you, you can if you want. It was a good story. Uh, okay, <laughs> been done. Also, like, as far as my traveling stories go, I think that's the thing I've told people about the most is that horrific job. And it's like, I actually had like four other months doing cool stuff that I've never talked about. (laughs) (laughs) One of the worst jobs. Okay. So it's just when I came back from traveling, I was working a few various jobs. This one was in a cafe. And basically the guy that owns it. I remember you tell, sorry, I'm just excited. No, I love this story. Please please tell it again. (laughs) He was terrible. Such a horrible man. He was so weird. It's a tiny, tiny cafe, and it was basically me, him, and the chef. And I was the one to, like, make the coffees and give people the food. To be fair, I did give people the wrong food quite often, and it was, like, a tiny cafe. I don't know how I made those mistakes. But anyway, he was super patronizing. He would watch me do the dishes and, like, tell me, like, come on, faster, faster, keep going, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, <laughs> mate, it's the dishes. It. <laughs> don't I'm rush my it. process. <laughs> yeah. So basically I quit at the end because I found a new job, which I think is my current job. And yeah, so I quit. And then he was like, oh, can you come back and help one day? And I was like, fine, yeah, yeah, I'll come back. And so this one day I came back in and I was doing like deep cleaning and I was cleaning the mini fridge where he keeps all the milk. And on top of that was the Wi-Fi router. And unfortunately I closed the fridge with a little bit of force. And the Wi-Fi fell into a big bucket of water that was underneath the coffee machine. (laughs) And obviously, I'm terrified of this man. Like, he is not nice. So I just pulled it out of the water and put it back up like nothing had ever happened. And literally, I ignored it for about half an hour. There was no customers, so nothing happened. (laughs) And then he tried to do something on the till. And it was like one of those tills that it was an iPad. So obviously, it needed the (laughs) Wi-Fi. And he was like, oh the, the wi-fi is not working what what what's going on i was like oh i've got no idea i don't, I don't know what's happened he was like oh what, what and then i was like oh actually 
it did get a little bit wet for a second. And he was like, what? <laughs> was crazy. He took the Wi-Fi router and he put it in the oven to dry off. <laughs> like, it was mental. He was, like, slamming all the doors, going crazy. Ah, I'm going to have to close. Ah. And I was like, ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he literally, like, bent down on the floor and was, like, covering his face. Ellie, I can't even look at you. Oh, my God. You have to leave right now. And I was like... Am I getting paid? <laughs> and so yeah, I had to I had to leave. I like cried on the way home. It was so terrible. Oh my god. But um, I was also like, well, I hate you. You're a horrible person. Good thing you won't have a cafe for a day. Like Oh God. I remember you told me that story a few, I think it was a week or so after we went for a drink or something and you told me that. And I hadn't heard it since then. I'd totally forgotten. I, I, as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, this is a great story. <laughs> I couldn't remember how it ended again either. It's so that's terrible. Honestly, he just didn't even look at me. And now I work now very close to where the cafe is and I see him all the time. And I'm like, ah! Does he, does he say anything to you? No. To oh, start with, something. he would just look past me. Now he smiles at me and I'm like, oh, and it's so even worse. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, fucking oh. Wi-Fi boxes in the oven. No, that's a that's I a gr- that's a great that's a great part-time job anecdote. Best one we've had in a while, actually. So thank oh, you. God, so clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ellie, thank you very very much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you giving us your time and chatting to us. But um, we like to round off by asking our guests, like, do you have any advice or tips you would like to offer anyone who maybe wants to get into performance art or who just maybe wants to work in the arts in general? Just do it. <laughs> that's just the- do it. We'd had Don't so much, such a common uh, answer. We'd had that, like the last three interviews I've done, every single person said, just do it at the end. That Honestly, that's all you need. That's the best advice I've ever had is like, you know, if you want to do it, do it. No one's yeah. going to do it for you. Absolutely. Do it. It's so terrifying. I very yeah. hardly ever take it myself, but I do try. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, do the, I'm the worst for living by my own advice, despite all the stuff on the podcast every week. <laughs> You can all do it, love yourselves, and then I'm, I don't live by it myself. But it's such, it, 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 as cliched as we it sounds. We yeah, tell it like, to ourselves. We try. That's all we can do. Exactly. But yeah, just, that's all I tell myself. Don't be scared. If you want it to happen, you have to make it happen. Really, you really do. And, and as I was, yeah, just, you know, people might think that just do it advice is really cliche, but it isn't. You have to just, you know, mm. if you go and do it, then things will happen. You've got to force it and just yeah. keep putting yourself out there. And also maybe working with your friends. You yeah. know, you kind of wait for an opportunity to come along on like Creative Scotland. It won't. Yeah. <laughs> if you can do something with your pals. Yeah. Just make it happen yourself. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, yeah. waiting for, it's like waiting for somebody to come knock at the door and be like, here's the opportunity. But sometimes you've got to go and exactly. grab it yourself. Make your own exactly. opportunities. So absolutely. You're right. It's quite vague. But yeah, just start doing something. Start putting it out there. No one's going to see it unless you show it. How many good cliches can I fit into the end of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I feel between us we've probably got quite a few in this episode <laughs> that's good that's what we want exactly I feel like I'm a walking cliche now early to be honest I feel, but you know that's all fine as long as people are, keep listening but no thank oh, you thank you very very much for your time today thank you that I was so much fun I'm glad that was so fun I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Just Get A Real Job I'd like to thank Ellie for coming on chatting to us once again I really enjoyed our conversation and remember go and support Ellie's show Pillow Talk go and, there's links to that in the show notes, go and get tickets to that uh, check out the Norm Project, go and support the local art scene, it's amazing stuff happening over there um, as always as well, thank you very much for listening, remember if you can afford to donate to our Patreon, please consider donating uh, all the usual stuff as well, give us a 5 star review on Apple Podcasts the main thing you can do though, the best thing for growing the podcast is tell your friends and family to listen 
If you're enjoying the podcast, stop what you're doing right now. The podcast is pretty much over anyway. And uh, text your friend. Text a friend to listen. Or post on social media. Just anything you can to just keep growing this podcast. We very much appreciate it. I'm in such a good mood. How crazy is it that a blue sky can just put your mood up so much? Honestly, this is the most, this is the best mood I've ever been in recording intros and outros. Um, but yes, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for all the support. I absolutely love doing this. I love it. It's it's changed my life actually, honestly. So thank you for listening, and we'll be back again on Friday with another episode of Just Get a Real Job. Stay safe, folks, and enjoy the blue skies. Just get a real